rise from the singing of the Alleluia verse. Thank you. 
disciples. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. A lot more value are you than the birds. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, though you have little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added unto you. Fear not, my Father, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with a money bag that you do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. It's time to make it be seated and invite the justice of the congregation, the visitors, the justice and the children. Yeah. 
anything God for what? What does he, does he do something for us? He forgives our sins. Does he, how did he get here today? In a car. And God didn't drive the car, but God made sure you guys got here today, right? And God willing, we all get home today, right? That's why we have faith in lots of things. And the Holy Spirit gives us that faith to believe. And ultimately, do you know when you're going to die? And you know what? It's nothing to worry about because we were reminded that I don't want to die when I'm supposed to die. I'm going to, I'm going to die later. You think that'll work? No. It's all laid out. Right? How we get there and when it all happens and how we get there is to heaven. Right? We get to heaven through faith in God. We have faith. We don't know how that works, do we? I don't know how it works. Are you glad it works? You thank God for that? You thank God for forgiveness? You thank God that we get up every morning, that we come to church, that we have food, that we get to school, and we get to learn, and we can share his love and his eternal life with all people, right? Yeah. Is that pretty special? Very special. Is that the most special thing? Yeah. We talk about that. We worry about lots of stuff, don't we? I do worry about way too much. All we gotta do is remember that God has taken care of us. And here we are, and we are his. What do we call what what kind of animals do we call ourselves? What are we? Human. Is a human animal? We're better than the animals. God made us special, right? We are. We're special. We're sheep. We have no fear. You know that song, Have No Fear, Little Flock? You don't know that? Well, now you can remember. Have no fear. We are God's sheep, right? Let's say a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for caring for all of our needs. For taking care of us as your sheep and people to live with you through your son Jesus Christ. Amen. Alright, you guys feel pretty smart? Pretty smart now? I have got some dum-dums for you now. Okay? So, have a dum-dum and be real smart. We continue with the sermon hymn, A Little Flock, Fear Not the Foe, on page 8.
name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Two words are among the most poisonous, insidious, and debilitating words you can say. Two little words, and the best laid plans crumble away into dust. Two little words asking one simple question. What if? What if the stock market crashes and you lose your pension? What if your car gets into an accident or breaks down and you can't afford to fix it? What if food prices keep going up? What if inflation doesn't stop? What if gas goes back up to five, six, seven dollars a gallon? What then? What if you lose everything and end up hungry and homeless at the side of the road? Who will care for you then? Who will love you? Will your friends stick by? Or will they avert their eyes as they drive on by, not wanting to associate themselves with one such as you? What, or will anyone care for you? Or will you die cold, hungry, and alone? What if? Two little words, one simple question, and a whole lot of fear. The fear of losing everything you have. Whether this fear is over accidents, a stock market crash, inflation, a rising cost of food, it's all about that fundamental fear of losing the things you have to your name. Now this fear, this anxiety is built into the world. As you scroll through social media, you'll come across some clickbait article or another that says something like, Top 10 things you're doing wrong with your money, you won't believe number 4. So you click on it, of course. You don't want to do the wrong thing with your money, and after you've clicked through an endless stream of the article, it's really boiled down to a lot of what-if questions. What if your money's in the wrong place? What if you have too much invested in one spot? What if? And of course, now that you've clicked on one of those articles, whatever social media platform you use, the all-knowing algorithm will slowly feed you more and more and more. And you will see more and more and more what-if questions every day. Now, as you're scrolling through social media, or flipping through the channels on the TV, or watching YouTube, or really just existing in this world that we have, you'll come across some advertising. Advertising, too, is based on fear. Pretty much all ads boil down to this. Our product is way better than everyone else's. It's cheaper, it lasts longer, it has a better, better warranty, it will keep your family safe. I'm not so sure about what the other guy's product will do to you. But then you go and you listen to an ad from the other guys, and they say the same thing about their product, and the same thing about the first companies. And so when you finally make a decision, when you pick out from the myriad of options what it is you're going to buy, you get home having spent your hard-earned money, and you see an ad for a competitor's product. And the question that ad wants you to ask is, what if I made the wrong decision? Will my children be okay? Will my family be safe? Will this product last as long as it says it will? And so yet again, you are asked the what-if question. That evening, you turn on the news. Now, the news, the news, dear friends, is a great peddler of fear. The news anchor sits there very calmly reading out that inflation is up, food prices are up, and crime is on the rise. Stay tuned after the break when we talk to an expert who says that things could be worse and that tomorrow they probably will be. So you stay tuned. You want to know. You want to protect you and your family. You don't want the worst to happen to you, so you stay tuned and you listen. You want to be well-informed. And so you've been asked again these what-if questions. What if it happens to you? What if a thief breaks in and steals? What if the stock market crashes and you lose your pension? And after being hounded day in and day out by these what-if questions, you go to bed. And that night, you lie awake instead of sleeping, and instead of these questions being asked of you, you begin to ask, what if? 
What if food prices keep going up? What if inflation doesn't stop? What if I can't afford to feed my family? What if my car breaks down and I can't afford to fix it? What if I lose everything and end up hungry and homeless at the side of the road? So with the fear that these what-if questions has instilled in you, you go to the experts. After all, no one person can really understand the ins and outs of the economy and the market, so you have to go to the ones who know. You have to read the blog posts, talk to the financial experts. You have to follow all of their advice to try and prevent the worst from happening to you, because truth be told, you know in your heart that even if you do everything right, the market could still turn on you. You could still lose everything. Even if you follow all the advice, the market, after all, moves in mysterious ways. The market giveth, and the market taketh away. So in this way, all of your seeking after experts, all of your looking at spreadsheets, all the scientific analysis of our great and powerful modern age really becomes almost the same thing as the pagans of old making sacrifices so that rain would fall on their crops. They went to the priests, the wise men, and the sages to know which sacrifices to make at which time so that their God would not turn their wrath upon them. Now you today, you go and you look at the spreadsheets. You go and you talk to the experts, the financial gurus. They may not be priests, but they are the wise men of our generation. And they tell us which sacrifices of money to make, where to burn it, at which altars we should go to, to try and stave off disaster. The pagans made sacrifices for rain. You make sacrifices for a windfall. And before you even realize it, the market has indeed become your god. Soon work has become the object of your worship. Investment portfolios have become your scripture. Read the Bible? Go to church? Who has time for that? Don't you know? Time is money. And money... Money is everything. Give to someone who needs it? Why would I do that? The market has already decreed they shouldn't have, and I should. And besides, if I give them money, I'm going to have less for myself. I need to keep a tight fist around my money bag, because I don't know what tomorrow holds. And in just such a way, Satan has snatched the souls of many. Beware the what-if question, dear Christians. It is exactly this danger and this question that Jesus had in mind when he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Now if Jesus had stopped there, it really would sound like a meaningless platitude, not a real answer to someone struggling with these what-if questions. It really sounds like something you'd read at the, on the back of a self-help book in the bottom of the bin at Goodwill. It's not helpful. What, I'm worrying so I should just stop? But Jesus doesn't stop there. He keeps going. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet... God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? All of these worries and what-if questions don't actually do anything. All these sacrifices to the false god of the market don't matter. And you know this. You know this on a fundamental level. You know the market can still turn on those who have made all the right decisions. So why do you still worry? Ultimately, you worry because these things are outside of your control. You look to yourself for power. You're a good American. You want to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Drag yourself from rags to riches by the sweat of your own brow, just by the virtue of hard work. But that's not the gospel that Jesus is preaching today. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, 
Even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? How much more, dear Christians, how much more indeed? God takes care of you. In the midst of your fear, in the midst of your doubting, in the midst of your little faith, God takes care of you. Unlike the self-help book, God actually answers your what-if questions. What if I lose everything, you say? God says, I will take care of you. I will take care of everything that you need for this body and life. So Jesus goes on and says, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Security in this world is no security at all. Advertising promises safety, but those promises are false. There are no guarantees. If you read the fine print, you know that to be true. And unlike the market, which is a cold and uncaring false god, our God is our Heavenly Father. Our God cares. He will give you what it is that you need. Now, if you have children, you know that the father's idea of what the child needs is not the same as the child's idea of what the child needs. Ice cream for dinner is almost always a very bad idea, but you're going to have a really hard time convincing your six-year-old of, of that. And it's the same way with God. God is our Heavenly Father, and He will take care of us. He will give us what we need, not necessarily what it is we want. God took care of Israel during their wanderings in the wilderness. They had complaint after complaint about the manna and the quail that He gave them. So maybe those what-ifs do come true. Maybe the market crashes and you lose your pension. Maybe your car breaks down. Maybe food and gas and all the cost of living prices just keep going up and up and up. But God will take care of you. Your Father will take care of you. He takes care of the birds and the lilies of the field. How much more will he take care of you? He promises to take care of all of your bodily needs. But he also promises much more than that. He promises to take care of your soul. What shall you eat? What shall you drink? Earthly food and drink, certainly. But Jesus answers that question for you eternally when he says, Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. What shall you wear? God promises he will provide you with clothing, but eternally he promises you will wear my robe of righteousness that I gave you in baptism. God's care for us is eternal. And so on your last day, on the day of your death, when you've eaten your last food, drank your last drink, and your flesh grows cold as your soul departs, on that very day, you will be well-fed and warm, for your soul was nourished on the true food and drink that Jesus gave, and it will be wrapped in the warm robe of Christ's righteousness, that he gave you in your baptism. God's care for you isn't just from cradle to grave. He cares for you from conception into eternity. And so that's why Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. God works through people. Often when he provides us with all we need for this body and life, he does so through the hands of others. So if you see someone in need, help them. God will use your hands to do his fatherly work. Though your hands may be unworthy, God will still use them. You don't have to be afraid that you're going to have less 
by giving away to another person, for God promises to take care of you. So fear not, little flock. Your treasure is fast and secure in the heavens with God, your Father. No thief, moth, or devil will break in, destroy, or snatch your heavenly treasures away from his hands. For God's promises to eternity are sure. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard and keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise and confess our faith in the word of the night. Serve them with his body and blood, 
Let us pray to the Lord. Lord. For comfort for all who mourn, especially the family of Richard Hess and Richard Bosford, and for faith to follow the godly example of those who have gone before us in our of Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, With your hands, O oh Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, knowing that you will hear the prayers of your people and answer us with your mercy, providing all things needful and beneficial to us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 
Jesus Christ the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of you. And we also took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of you. The peace of the Lord be with you all.
that of your mercy you would strengthen us to the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you.